You're listening to Trucking Questions from the Audio Road with Kevin Rutherford. This is the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. You can ask questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, tax, technology, or anything else about the business of trucking. Here we go. Let's head on down the audio road. All right, everybody, we're going to get started. Today should have been uh, Broker Connect, but we've got a couple weeks under our belt on that show, and we're redoing just a couple things, nothing major. We're going to bring it back next week. We just needed a week to reset. So today's a free-for-all. Anything goes. You can ask any question you want, and I'll tell you right now, because of the last-minute change, calls and questions are really light. We're only going to do an hour today. Uh, but right now, I don't even have enough questions to get through an hour. So this is your chance. Press one on your phone right now. And I promise we'll get to you. So today's your opportunity. Anything goes. We're going to go ahead and get started. Your money, your taxes, your truck, and your road to success in the trucking industry. This is Trucking Business and Beyond, the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. We take your calls and answer your questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, health and fitness on the road, getting started as an owner-operator, finding freight, working with brokers, getting your authority, you name it, we'll talk about it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and call. We're going to get to the calls right away tonight. These hours go by, so we're going to try to get to as many as we can. I do want to remind you, head on over to the store at letstruck.com. We're always adding New stuff, new products, new services, food, snacks, supplements, truck stuff, you name it. Uh, we're always adding. So if you haven't been there in a while, head on back over there. If you haven't ever been there, you need to go check it out. While you're there, there's a ton of information on the website. We have a blog with lots of good articles. We're adding to that all the time. You can listen to all of our uh, podcast shows there as well. So check it out. We're going to get right to the phone calls. We're going to start off in Oklahoma today. John, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. How are you all doing? Good. What's on your mind today? Well, I got a couple questions, but before I get to those, I wanted to say I just fueled up here in Oklahoma City for $1.84 a gallon. $1.84. Now, was that on a reservation by chance? No, that's in the middle of downtown Oklahoma City. And there, there's fuel tax in there? Yes, sir. Wow, that's crazy. I haven't paid over $2 in a month and a half. Well, you know, fuel prices are just crazy. When, when they're at 4 and $5 a gallon, we think they're going to stay there forever. And, you know, now we've been at, at that, what I call $2 range for a long time. And fuel in the dollar something range, it's just crazy. I'm telling you what, man, everything that'll hold fuel is full to the top right now. Uh, I've got <laughs> trucks that haven't been on the road in five years that are full. 
<laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's not a bad idea because this could turn around any time. You know, all it takes I'm is the economy to pick up, which, you know, it seems like we're right on the verge. Unemployment, we're at the lowest record in like 10 years, I think, on unemployment now. Um so I, I'm looking for the economy to pick back up. And if it does, then there's more demand for diesel. I'd love to see it go back to $4 a gallon. But while it's under two, you well, might as well you, get. Yeah. Heck, yeah. For you freight guys, I mean, y'all are losing money right and left with this cheap fuel. But for me, it's great. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But well, my questions um, are, I run a lot of old equipment. And I would like to, I've got a lot of them on 24 fives, um, with the big hole studs on the wheels. I've got a whole container full of wide singles with the small holes. Can I just drill those out? Cause I can't find them. Um, and my second question is I've got a, a stack of Detroit computers. Can I mail them off to Pittsburgh? And it doesn't matter if it's a three or a four. Um, and will they just like plug and play in any truck that I've got, or are they kind of year specific? I think the three and four are interchangeable. In fact, I think they can upgrade a three to make it work more like a four. Uh, but I'm not a hundred percent positive on that. You can absolutely mail them in. And they can do the programming. They'll check batteries to make sure, you know, batteries are good. If not, they can replace them. Uh, on the programming, I would ask them for sure. But I think the three and four are interchangeable. The rim question is an interesting one. I've never been asked that. And I would be hesitant to drill those out until I talk to somebody like I would want to talk to somebody at AccuRide. They make most of the rims. There are some other companies, but AccuRide makes most of those rims. I what think I would want to talk to somebody there. Yeah, from what I've seen, they're just as rare as hen's teeth. And obviously, um, a guy would want to have to build a jig, you know, like take a hub and, you know, ruin one to make a jig to drill them out accurately. Um, I went to the machine shop and he scratched his head like, I don't even know where to start. Um, and plus, it was going to be 10 bucks a hole. So, you know, 100 bucks a rim, right. I'd be able to buy them, but I can't find them. Yeah, interesting. Like I say, drilling the hole could be difficult, but once you get a system down, it wouldn't be that hard. I would just worry about weakening that rim. Um, you know, rims aren't something I like to mess around with, but if, you know, I'd find somebody, uh, you know, not customer service, but I'd want to get a hold of like an engineer at AccuRide and ask them. And they may also be a really good source for finding those rims. If there's another option, they would know it. All right. Well, thank you for everything that you guys do. I know. I, well, I don't know how you find the time of the day to come up with all the wealth and knowledge you guys are just giving out for free, which is my favorite price. But yeah. I appreciate the heck out of it. Well, you're welcome. Thanks for the call. We appreciate the support as well. We're going to head off to Minnesota. John, welcome to the program. Kevin, talked to you uh, last week about Cybo, and we didn't get time to get around to arthritis. It's not for me. My mother, uh, stepmother has it. 
um, rheumatoid arthritis. And I'm just wondering for a book for her to read on that. Problem is she works at a pizzeria, so she's around a lot of the grains and uh, didn't know what your thoughts were on that. Well, you know, I, I, I wouldn't even recommend a book on rheumatoid arthritis directly because most of the advice you're going to get from anything like that is bad. It, it's going to be the same old stuff that this is, you know, it just is what it is. You're going to have to treat it for the rest of your life. You're going to have to control it. They're going to talk about drugs and, and all the other things when really what we want to do is get down to the root cause of why she has rheumatoid arthritis and rheumatoid arthritis. There are three different kinds, but rheumatoid arthritis is an autoimmune condition. And so what we really want to focus on is the autoimmune part of this, not the arthritis. Autoimmune, again, is just when our body's immune system gets so ramped up that it starts attacking its own parts and it can show up in almost any tissue, organ, joint, any part of the body, but it's all the same thing. It's the immune system being so overactive that it, it just attacks everything it sees. And in this case, it's attacking the joints. So we don't want to address the rheumatoid arthritis. We want to address the fact that it's autoimmune and then we can dig further because all autoimmune diseases start with leaky gut. So that's really what we should be addressing, leaky gut. Uh, so some of the good books there, any of the books on GAPS, uh, G-A-P-S, the GAPS diet, the GAPS protocol, that's gut and psychology sim uh, syndromes. So they talk a lot about leaky gut. That's really what she's got to focus on, but the number one culprit in leaky gut is wheat. It's gluten and, and the other proteins that are in wheat. So none of this is going to matter if she isn't willing to cut the grains out of her diet. There's no point in even reading any of this stuff because if, if she doesn't cut out the grains, nothing is going to work. Would it be a good idea to have her do a fit test? to prove to her that the green is bothering her joints? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, if, she'll, if she'll understand the progression. So there's two things that I really like about the fit test. One, it will specifically point out gluten if, if she's intolerant to gluten. Even if she isn't, that doesn't mean it's not causing leaky gut. Gluten is a tough one. Um, it, it shows up in different ways. But most of the time, if somebody's uh, sensitive to gluten and they've been eating it quite a bit, it's going to show up on that test. But the other thing the test tells us is if you look at some people, mine, for example, I only have two or three things on my list. My list is very, very short. We have people that have 20 things on their list. The more things you have on your list the stronger your leaky gut connection is, the leakier your gut is because it's allowing so much through, you're reacting to all kinds of foods that you really shouldn't react to. So we can tell two things. One, what's irritating things, but two, the longer your list, the more of a problem we know you have. So 
I'm going to put you on hold. I'll come back and make sure uh, we wrap this one up. And then we'll get to more of your calls and questions right after this. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We're going to get right back to the phone calls. I was talking with John in Minnesota. So, John, again, I just want to really stress that all of the things she could do, whether medical or even natural, they're not going to do much if she doesn't address the root cause of the leaky gut, which is the grains. Yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking grain brain or wheat belly, but I don't think those are going to do as good as the uh, GAPS books. So. Yeah, the problem with I love both of those books. The problem is they're pretty in-depth and scientific. Um, it, it would depend if, if I knew somebody was a big reader and really liked that kind of information, I would recommend those books in a heartbeat because they get down to how much damage grains cause. Both of those books do, but they're not easy reading. So it would really depend on the person. Um, so, you know, GAPS is going to address it directly without all of the background and the scientific. So you got to kind of base it on what she's willing to do and read. Let's go to Indiana. Mark, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin, thanks for taking my call. Um, trying to prioritize uh, the things I want to do to my truck, and I wanted to get your input on ECM tuning. And I'm having a hard time justifying the cost of an ECM tune at 2500 bucks. Tell me what Tell me uh, what, in, what engine and what year. It's a 14 ISX. All right. So one of the reasons I would certainly look at tuning first is because it is one of the single biggest improvements we've seen on almost any engine. But when you get to the newer trucks, there aren't as many modifications that we can make anyway. You know, when we go back to the pre-emission trucks, literally everything on our list was you know, I found those, tested them, and, and you know, worked through all those issues on pre-emission trucks. And as technology advanced on the newer trucks, there were fewer and fewer modifications we were able to make. So just from a sheer number standpoint of how many things you can do on the newer trucks, really, 
tuning is my first. Even when we go back to the pre-emission trucks, if I had, you know, 2,500 bucks, I could look at probably putting on, you know, a fast and a manifold. And when I look at the fast and the manifold, yeah, I'm going to get some improvements. I like both of those products, but hands down for the same amount of money, I would do the tuning first. Well, okay, I, I understand that, but help me justify 2500 I mean, I'm just figuring from a labor standpoint, if you're charging 200 bucks an hour. No, well, hold, hold on. Cool. This has nothing to do with labor. This has to. Do, this is more like software, and I know people have a hard time with this because we're used to trucks being mechanical, but trucks aren't mechanical anymore. Trucks are electronic. So now when you look at, say, software, and I have to pay, I'm just going to give you an example just to, to show you how outrageous this is. The software, our accounting software that, you know, our fuel mileage software is free, our accounting software is $19 a month. We have over a million dollars worth of development cost and programming into that software. Over a million dollars on something we give away free or charge $19 a month. So the tuning isn't about the labor. It's about the development cost and, and the fact that their tune and this is my opinion, but their tune is better than anybody else's I've seen because they put so much development time into it. They literally have two or three engineers, a really expensive dyno setup, and, and they're paying wages on those guys day after day after day just to develop these things. And every engine is different. And when Cummins changes the ISX next year, they're going to have to go back to development and redo the tune again. Okay, gotcha. So, yeah, that makes sense. I just, I, I was just doing math in my head. I'm thinking, man, that's... Yeah, that's that, and, and, and I understand it. People say, hey, wait a minute. All you're going to do is plug in, you know hit a couple keystrokes and, and load that file into my computer. And it's a little more than that. They kind of tweak and tune depending on a couple things, but still you're right. If that's all we're looking at, this should be a couple hundred bucks at most, but what you're paying right. for all of the development in that tune itself. And you think overall from a, a mileage standpoint, miles per gallon, I should say, that's going to be my biggest benefit of anything it, I can it, do. It can be. It really depends on the driver. This is what, you know, aerodynamics are fairly straightforward. If we measure an aerodynamic device on enough trucks and we say, okay, it's a three-tenths of a mile per gallon gain, something like the flow below. Well, it doesn't matter really what truck you have or what driver. The, the gain is going to be consistent. But when we talk about performance upgrades, the driver is everything. You could put this tune on somebody's truck and they could lose fuel economy because you get a real performance upgrade and boost. And that's why I like this. It makes the truck so drivable. The power is amazing. It, there are so many benefits. And one of them could be fuel economy as long as you drive it right. And, and it's not that hard. 
I mean, you, if you take all the horsepower and torque you're going to get out of this tune and you race everybody to the top of the hill, you're going to lose fuel economy. If you drive it reasonably, the, the way we talk about going up hills, you're going to gain fuel economy and performance and drivability. Um, I, I will tell you on my Series 60s, their tune was the single best thing I ever did to any one of my trucks. So it's something I'm going to notice right out of the gate. I mean, I'm going to jump in and I think I'm driving a different truck, basically. You can't help but know. Now, have you considered the power box instead of the tune? Uh, you know, I, I went to the show and I, I, I kind of asked them about it a little bit, but I didn't get in depth with it. And, you know, whatever's going to give me the biggest bang for the buck as far as fuel economy is my main. Yeah, I, I, I would I would spend some time talking with them. They're really good at going through your operation and asking good questions and then pointing you in the right direction. And they're not just going to try to sell you what they make more money on. They're, they're really going to give you the best advice because they want you to come back. They want you to be happy. I, I like the power box a lot because it gives you control. You know, it, it Having all that horsepower and torque is wonderful, but honestly, when the roads get really bad, I'd rather not have it. And you can, on the power box, just turn it off, and then you're back to stock. If I'm really heavy and I'm running from, you know, Denver to L.A., I might turn that thing up to power level four, five maybe. Uh, most of the time, I'm going to keep it on two or three, but it, it's it, and you have to check with them because I can't keep up with which engine they have the power box for, which one they'd rather do the tune on. But they'll give you the best advice. But I would consider both. OK. All right. Well, great. And thanks again. You know, I just want to thank you personally. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be where I am today as far as a truck owner. So you have done a lot for me and I'm sure thousands of other guys out there. So greatly appreciated well you're welcome thank you for the uh for the compliments i'd love that and honestly I, you can't go wrong with the tune it, you know again it, we're used to mechanical trucks and we're used to bolt-on modifications that's what we did for years these trucks are all computer now and, and that's why pittsburgh power has so many young electrical engineers on their staff because that is the it, I was going to say it's the future of trucks, not even the future. It's the right now of trucks. We make the biggest difference in modification. Here's, here's a good way to look at this. We take a stock 430 poor series 60. And what kind of physical modifications would you have to make to get that engine to 600 horsepower? You'd be talking about injectors and manifolds and the fast, and we'd have to go on and on and on, and we still might not get it to 600 horsepower. But with the tune, we get there in a snap. That That's the difference in these engines. Let's go to... Oh, you know what? I think I'm going to take us into a break. And when I come back, we will get to more of your calls and questions. We've got more stuff coming right around the corner. Don't go away. I'm Kevin Rutherford.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We're going to get right back to the phone calls. Check out the website. It's letstruck.com. We're off to Georgia this time. Jeff, welcome to the program. Uh, thank you for taking my call, Kevin. What can I help uh, you with today? You had, mentioned that, uh, you had mentioned that you studied to be a financial planner. And uh, yes. you had said you, read a, you had read a book that actually taught you more than all the classes you took. I was wondering if you could recall the name of that book. Absolutely. It's, uh, so just to give you some background on this, Certified Financial Planner. So just so people know, anybody, anybody can call themselves a financial planner. No requirement, no licensing, no nothing. If you want to put out a sign and say, I'm a financial planner, you can do that. Uh, it doesn't mean you can sell financial products like you. I had to have a license to sell stocks. I had to have a license to sell bonds. I had to have a license to sell mutual funds. But if I just wanted to give advice to people, anybody can say they're a financial planner. A certified financial planner, CFP, is the highest designation you can achieve in financial planning. And I, it took me about three years to get through all the classes then the test is one of the most brutal things I've ever seen in my life. It was 15 hours long. And the year, they only give it once a year. The year I took it, I think 46% of the people passed. That included people retaking the test multiple times. Um, I, I put in so many hours of studying to make sure I passed it the first time. And after all that, I, I looked at all the stuff I learned and I thought, you know, I, I'm not going to use 90% of this material with most people I work with. And, and even if you work with high dollar clients, you're still not going to use most of that stuff. Um, but I do a ton of reading and I'm always looking for good financial books. And Anthony Robbins, um, you know, the, the seminar guy, the late night TV guy. And, and I've been following Anthony Robbins for 30 years. Um, I have been to many, many, many days. Uh, probably if I were to total up all the seminar days I've done, Anthony Robbins events, I bet I'm into the 30 days total over those years. Um, he came out with a book last year, I think it was last year, called Money Master the Game. And what he did was he found the top financial people in every segment, whether it was mutual funds, stocks, bonds, insurance, um, everything you could imagine. This is a really in-depth book. This isn't one you're going to listen to one time. This is a book that you could literally use the rest of your life to stay on top of your money and invest for the future. And it, it just, it, it really is an amazing book. And I, after reading it, I thought I would have been far better off to just really read this book and study it and understand it rather than go through what I went through to become a certified financial planner. Okay. Thank you. 
you're welcome. Yeah, that's, uh, I know that's quite an endorsement for a book, but he did an amazing job on this book. Um, it really is that good. It, it's much more practical advice than the stuff I learned. Um, the stuff I learned was really high level, in depth, and it just doesn't apply to most people. Let's go to Missouri. JR, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin, how you doing, brother? Doing good. What can I help you with today? Well, I've been talking to you a few times about this health stuff, and I just want to know if I need to upgrade my uh, morning coffee routine. I'm the one that dumps an egg in there, and I omega-3 egg and all that stuff. I noticed on your website that uh, I moved over to Brain Octane Oil and the uh, Light Balance. Uh, I do miss my uh, coconut, but oh well, this stuff's better. And um, I've been dumping uh, dark cocoa. Uh, from Hershey's along with honey in because I do like the sweeter stuff and I really like the properties of honey helping you out. But I noticed you have a, uh, a chocolate, uh, hot chocolate thing on your website now. And I'm just wondering for the health benefits, would it be better to switch over to that instead of the dark cocoa and the honey, or should I just stay with what I'm doing now for a trade-off? Now, I'll give you two options, and you could go either way, because you're right. If you're using local raw honey, which that's all I would or or at least raw doesn't necessarily have to be local because truck drivers are all over the place anywhere. There, there is a specific reason to use local honey, but it should be where you live. And I, I wouldn't worry too much about that, but it should be raw, unfiltered honey. Uh, most of the stuff you get in the grocery store. We're not even positive it's honey. There was a huge controversy over a bunch of honey that was coming out of China that wasn't honey at all. It was flavored syrup. It was just nasty stuff. Um, and it was hard to figure out which brand was which. So stay with a really good quality, raw, unfiltered honey. Now, having said that, I'll give you two options. I would absolutely get away from the Hershey's because even if it's dark, it's what's called processed cocoa. And the processing really kills a lot of the properties we're looking for. So what you want to start with at least is what's called raw cacao. Uh, instead of cocoa, C-O-C-O-A, it's C-O-C-A-O, cacao. So or it might even be the other way around. But it, it will also say raw and unprocessed. And that's you either want to... Uh, you know, I think I have found it in some Walmarts. It's a little more difficult to find there. Most grocery stores that, you know, they'll have a little health food section. You can usually find it. I'll give you the two options that I really like. One is get your raw cacao from Bulletproof. It's completely raw, completely unprocessed, organic. Um, it, it's been tested for mold toxins. It's super clean. So your first option is get the bulletproof raw cacao and then use raw honey. That's one option. The other option is okay. to use the bulletproof hot chocolate. And what that has in it, it has the raw cacao, the powder. It also has raw cocoa butter. So it gives you one more type of good fat in your coffee because we have the butter, we have the brain octane, and now in that hot chocolate powder is raw cocoa butter. 
So it's a whole different fat profile. That's why I like it. And then that one is sweetened with stevia and xylitol. So it doesn't have any glycemic response at all. And you may even want to alternate, you know, depending on how many things you want to carry around and how much you want in your truck. You you may just alternate. One day you use, you know, raw cacao and some raw honey. Next day, use the hot chocolate mix. Okay. Now, one other question. Uh, On these new uh, beef broth kits you got in the store, um, I'm very interested in that. I was going to get into it a little bit at home, but I didn't have quite all the ingredients. So I just made some, uh, threw some good beef bones in there, cooked them up. The dog loved chewing on the bones, but the beef broth wasn't that good, but I didn't really add anything to it spice-wise. This stuff that I'm going, I've got an Instant Pot in the truck that I alternate between home and the truck. Um, okay. what's the best way to store this stuff? Uh, what's the best way to consume it? Um, is it great to, you know, make a, a, a crock pot type meal with, or what, what's, what's, what's the deal with this stuff? Yeah. So let's talk about storage. I only trust bone broth for about a week in the refrigerator, no more than seven days. The reason is it is so nutrient dense that there's a concern that we could get some bacterial growth in there. It's like such a rich superfood that, you know, seven days in the refrigerator is probably all I would go. You freeze it forever. How much, uh, how much so would one it, of these little kits pre- present? How much fluid ounces? That's the, the beauty of this kit and the Instant Pot. First off, the bag of bones and herbs you can actually use twice. So, you know, after you use the bag once, throw it in the refrigerator and you can use it again. Um, You get a you get a a good amount of broth, but you could also consume it in that seven days. So if you make it in the truck and you're in the truck for seven days, pretty easy to go through it all. So that's how I would store it. Refrigerator for seven days, freezer for as long as you want. Consuming it. But this is the flavor on this stuff is amazing right out of the pot. So sipping it while you go down the road is an awesome way to consume it. Anything <laughs> yeah. that you would, anything that you would normally put water in to cook, um, just dump this broth in instead. It, it, for if you want to, you know, like you said, a crock pot, you want to throw a roast in and let it, you know, cook while you're driving. Don't put water in there. Put this bone broth in. You get all the nutrients. The flavor is absolutely amazing. Anything, anything that you would cook, if you were going to reach for water, just reach for the bone broth instead. So that's those are the really the best ways to consume it straight or use it to cook anything. Use it to cook beans if you eat beans occasionally um, for stews, for soups, for chili. Anything you put in the crock pot, just put this in instead of water. So using it, you know, let your imagination run wild. These kits are awesome. Super easy, no cleanup, can't beat it. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. I knew this hour was just going to fly by. We're down to the final segment. I'm going to get to as many questions as I can. Let's head off to California. Brett, welcome to the program. Hello, Kevin. How are you today? Doing great. What's on your mind? Well, I've got a 2012 DD15. Uh have 622,000 miles on it. But about 30,000 miles ago, the O-rings and the sump pump uh, started going bad, and I got low oil pressure at idle. Uh, this went on for a couple months before finally throw the code, and uh, they and Flatliner decided they could fix it under warranty before my warranty went out. Uh, okay. I'm not using oil. I've got good oil pressure and stuff now, but some people told me I should have concerns that this may have damaged my rods and main bearings. I have done uh, at 30,000 miles after... Uh, I had this. I sent an oil sample off to a full-service lab, and everything come back normal. So should I be concerned, or do you think I'm okay? I, I would keep doing oil samples, but... And, Absolutely. Yeah. So if here's the beauty of um, rod and main bearings. There are some parts in the engine that we have a hard time picking up on an oil sample. For example the ISX uh, camshaft issues. Sometimes we caught it on an oil sample. Sometimes we didn't. That one was a little tricky. Rod main bearings, I don't think we would ever miss those on an oil sample. They, they have a very, very clear pattern. You start to see elevated lead. The lead continues for quite some time, keeps getting worse and worse. And then you see copper. And when you see copper, you might as well just go replace the bearings because we've worn through the outer coating completely, and now we're into the inner coating of the bearing. It's a very clear pattern. We see it every time. So if you didn't have elevated lead and then copper, nothing to worry about. All right. Well, good. Because the comeback showed a little bit of iron, like uh, it was five, it showed like five, uh, uh, what, I forget what increment, uh, anyway. Five I just barely, but it was nothing. Uh, it wasn't flagged or anything like that. Everything was good, you know. So uh, that's all they showed in my oil sample. But I do have oh, to put an OPS one on uh, on my truck. I actually have an OPS one at home from a previous truck that burnt, but I haven't been able to get the install kit to have it put on here yet. So I'm a big fan of the OPS and, and of oil sampling. So I do plan on continuing to do that. Yeah, I you know, if you have nothing in the oil sample, I wouldn't worry about it. If the truck is ever in the shop for any extended maintenance, it's pretty easy to pull a pan and, and inspect bearings, but I, I wouldn't go out of my way to do it. Okay, all right. Well, I just wanted to get some input on it and find out, sir. I surely appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Yeah, you know, the, the low oil pressure, Clearly, we want to be watching the bearings. There's no question about that. Bearings today really hold up well, really well, a lot better than they used to. And low oil pressure for a couple months eh, on that engine, probably not going to bother the bearings. And if it did, we'd see it in the sample. Let's go to New York. Alan, welcome to the program. How are you doing, Kevin? Good. What can I help you with today? You should have a uh, profit um, report for me. 
Yeah, I've got a business report here in front of me. Tell me a little bit about your operation. Um, I am a Northeast carrier. I run mostly dry van. Uh, lease to a carrier or own authority? or I just got my own authority in January. Okay. So this report that I'm looking at is January through December of last year. Should I be looking at yeah. this year numbers? No, last year. Okay. Uh, the reason why I'm looking at last year's numbers, I'm looking to buy a trailer. I'm currently okay. renting one. So. Got it. So in, in this report from last year, I see a truck lease here, but are you combining a trailer lease in there as well? Rental? No, no, it was a, I bought my uh, truck from the carrier I was leased to. Okay. It was uh, no money down, no interest. It was a, a small carrier. You know, I paid exactly what we agreed to on the price. That was it. I was done. Wow. And okay. I paid it all off so, last year. So how much is the That's trailer? That's why my numbers are down. The, I'm looking at a step deck, uh, 2012 triaxle uh, right now or um, step deck, and they're asking thirty three for it. Okay, so I'm just going to talk in general about you know trailer rental, um, and I've run the numbers so many times, and virtually ninety nine percent of the time, it just makes more sense to own your own. It, very, very seldom does it make any sense to rent a trailer, maybe short term here or there to make sure it's the kind of trailer you want to own or something like that. But once you decide this is what I'm doing, owning the trailer always makes financial sense for so many reasons. It, you know, the, the cost is less to own it than to rent it. You, it, they
worst case scenario, you turn around and sell the trailer. And as long as you're not buying brand new, really high-end kind of trailers, you're usually not going to get hurt with depreciation. That I like to buy, even if I want a, a newer trailer, I'd be looking at something at least a year old. Let somebody else take that first year hit on depreciation sure, because yeah. after that, trailers, the depreciation slows way down. They start to hold their value really well. So as I long as you're buying that, you can always just turn around and resell it and, and you're not going to get hurt. I've been looking at, at the step deck market here for about three months because I want to get away from grocery warehouses. Yeah. Just, yeah. That. No, that makes sense. 20, 20, 20 plus years doing it, I'm burnt out. But um, yeah. it has been an experience. So I will let you go. I appreciate the information and all that you do. It's a lot, Kevin. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Yeah, I'm just a, a, a big believer in owning trailers. I've run the numbers so many times for so many different people. And the numbers always work out in your favor to own trailers when you can. I, I wish more carriers would allow their leased owner operators to own their own trailers. I think that would be a good move for the industry. That's a topic for another show the music's playing they're going to chase me out of here so we'll have to do it again next time thanks for joining me be safe be profitable be fit and healthy always do the hard work and master the journey i'm kevin Rutherford. tuning in to the audio road if you have any questions give us a call at 855-800-FUEL that's 855-800-3835 check out the website at letstruck.com and find us on facebook.com slash let's truck